happy to be with you this morning, and I'm happy to be sharing about this value and uh, excited about it. And so what I just want to start with is that we just read this together. It's, a, it's kind of a big value. There's a lot going on in it. And so let's just read it together. And um, okay, so here we go. Equipping generations by teaching, mentoring, imparting, and learning from all generations to discover God-given callings, assignments, and gifts that we may impact others in various spheres of influence. And let's just pray right now. Father, we thank you for this amazing and beautiful privilege to be called your own, to be called your sons and daughters, and to be called to greater purpose and to have a, a focus that you've given us of impacting others. And uh, Father, we just ask today for your grace and your presence upon this time, upon my words, upon this message, Lord. And um, thank you for letting us um, hear it and let it sink into our spirits however you want it to sink in. Yes. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love this value, equipping generations. It's just beautiful. As you look at the wording, there's just, it's, it's beautiful. But I found that it was actually a little daunting as well as I looked at it. And um, there's words in it that I just love, the discover and how that reflection of like the process and journey that equipping is. I love the God-given emphasis that this is um, the callings and the giftings are things that he has given us. And um, I love that the various spheres of influence, like there's an area for each of us to be equipping in. And actually, we are equipping already. Every day we're equipping, whether we realize it or not. We're equipping someone with something, right? So um, you'll, you can notice that in your own life probably in many ways. And, um, but there's various spheres of influence that we each have. I love that. But also, it kind of felt like a big job. It kind of sounds like a big job. As you read through it, I was like, oh, oh my goodness, that's a lot. And so I, uh, I, this is my story. This is how I began to prepare. I was like, Holy Spirit, like, show me what you would like the, and I was like looking for the right word. Do you, what do you want, the guidance? I want your direction. And the word that came out was tone. Holy Spirit, show me what your tone is or what tone you want. And I was like, that's not at all what I mean. That's not, erase that, Holy Spirit. Give me the other word. What, and like it was uncomfortable silence. Like that was the only word. And so I said, okay, then, okay, Holy Spirit, what tone would you like? And the first words, honestly, that just popped out were just loud and proud. And I was like, now that is silly because what, it, I don't even know what that means, first of all, and I'm not really a loud and proud gal unless it comes to maybe football or some other things like that. Let's not talk about Russell Wilson right now, okay? Like, that just popped into my head. That just popped into my head. I wasn't even going to bring it up, but... It's still deep. It's, it's just a deep wound right now. So, okay, we're moving past that. Anyway, I'm not really a loud and proud gal, but that's, that's kind of what Holy Spirit was directing. Was, let's make it loud and proud. I was like, okay. And there really wasn't much more after that, so we just, we just moved on. Um, so, anyway, there's going to be a rest of the story today. And when Holy Spirit, how he just led me through this process, there's just a rest of the story that really blew my mind, I have to tell you, actually. And and inspired me in a whole new way. So, um, so let's get into it. Let's first talk about what the word equip actually means. The definition is to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose, or to prepare someone mentally to a particular for a particular situation. 
So to gain most equipping these days, you actually need more than a Google search. I know we can find many things with a Google search, and actually one day I, I happened to, something was, I was scrolling with something, there was an actual entry, how to tuck in a flowy shirt. I'm like, wow, we need a lot of equipping these days if we need a Google search to find out how to tuck in a flowy shirt. You know, have I nailed it? I'm not sure, you know, but anyway, there's some equipping that you actually need more, more than a Google search to get it figured out. And I think the important thing that to, we're going to kind of look at today, because we're actually going to scoot back a little bit on this value, and where the value says, um, by teaching, mentoring, imparting, and learning, just kind of insert the word what. What are we learning? What are we teaching? What are we mentoring? And so focusing on the what today, what is the particular purpose or particular situation? To be equipped for something, we have to have equipment, right? We get equipped with equipment. And every particular purpose or every particular situation has particular equipment to fit it. So I have been equipped to ski, to snow ski, mostly by my husband, okay? I have the skis, I have the boots, I have the poles, I have the gear, I, have, I even have the neck muff thing, you know, the muffler, whatever the thing's called, um, the gator, I guess. Uh, I've had lessons, I've had multiple lessons. But I keep, you know, when we go to the hill, I'm not that great of a skier, okay? So I keep thinking I need more equipping, like, okay, I need another lesson, or I need a lesson by a different person, or whatever. I've had professional lessons, right, like at, at the mountain. That is not the issue. I've been equipped to ski. I have all the equipment that I need to ski. I have all the training. I just need practice now. And I need to go on hills that I don't want to go on, usually, is what that looks like. I can get really good at the bunny hill, and then I'm like, well, the next step to ski well is to go down a bigger hill. And that is not always the fun part. But I have been equipped. Being equipped doesn't mean being perfected in a thing. We don't have to be perfected at something to be equipped. We can actually have a finished equipping, and then we get to practice and get better at the thing. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. So that what is important. So we're going to look at what are the things we're trying to be equipped with in order to kind of fulfill the rest of the value. So it's a little more of a foundational. It's an intro thing anyway that we're doing today. So it's a little more of a foundation for that. So equipping generations. How many have ever heard at your house, uh, do I have to, do I have to do that? <laughs> I'm just going to be gut level honest with you. I read the value and that's a little bit what I thought. Oh, do I have to? Why? Because it's work. It's like I really appreciated, appreciated what Jordan said today. Leading worship is exhilarating and it's also work. There is a work to be done in equipping generations. That is not just to like snap my fingers. Wouldn't it be great if it was magic? It was just like, boom, you're equipped. Well, it doesn't work that way. So there is a work factor to it. But I was like, ah, do we have to? And actually the evidence points to yes, as I found, as I started searching it out. I was like, yes, you do. You actually do. And we're going to look at some of the reasons and some of the demonstrations and examples of that. The first one I want to look at today because equipping generations is actually essential, critical, super important. This is one huge takeaway I've come away with in this whole process. So the first uh, scripture we're going to look, look at um, is Psalm 78, 2 through 4. 
And this says, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. Where would we be without the former generations passing on the wonders he has done? Where would we be without them telling us the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power? Where would we be without that? Where would we be without that? We would be lost. I'm just telling you, we'd be lost. We want to pass on these things to the next generation and to those around us. We want to pass on to others their identity and purpose in Christ. We want to pass on to others the life of God and how we walk with Christ and how to know him. We want to pass on to them how to be salt and light, how to live as a child of God, how to be an overcomer. We want to pass this on that what we possess, we can let someone else possess as well. We want to pass on what we possess already, give it away and help others. Moses was one that passed something on to Joshua. And I don't think I have this on the screen. I don't. But it is in Deuteronomy 34.9. And it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. The Israelites listened and did what the Lord had commanded Moses, who was now dead, because Joshua was filled with the same spirit of wisdom that Moses had given him. Boom. And it carried on into obedience to the word of the Lord. That is powerful. Moses gave him the spirit of wisdom. I say, yes, bring it on. You know what? I, I personally have experienced so many, countless times, countless times in this house just alone in this house, impartations of strength, of encouragement, of two ladies this morning just prayed, imparting, like, anointing and all this stuff. Like, just it's the norm here. That's what we do. We just give it away. We just release it, what God has given us. In fact, I asked them, how do you say this, what was it, preacher or something in Spanish? How do you say it, ladies? Yeah. But it sounded so cool in Spanish. It sounded super cool. I was like, yes, I want to be that that person but that impartation is powerful it is powerful i have had my my very life lifted up in in times of struggle and discouragement and and fear and whatever my messiness others have come along beside me and passed something on for sure like my natural parents and in-laws and and so many little kids sometimes just huge blessings to me learning from all generations. And I love that part of the value. It's not just about those that are old passing on to those that are young. It's about us sharing and receiving from each other. Like a family, right? <laughs> this is sounding familiar. <laughs> so that is powerful. Um, Moses passing something on to Joshua, that spirit of wisdom. So that, there's an exa a couple of examples in the Old Testament. And then we move to the New Testament, and it gets really crazy. So Paul um, is one who equipped many sons and daughters in the faith, but for sure Timothy, he's written to Timothy, and he has some interesting facets of equipping that I want to just camp on for a minute. So um, in 2 Timothy 3, it's, <laughs> he, 
he starts out with not an encouraging message. He basically tells Timothy how horrible things are going to be in the last days and how terrible people are going to be. And like they're going to be evil and brutal and not lovers of the good. I mean, it is, it is a bleak little couple paragraph, you know, sentences that he shares there at the beginning of 2 Timothy 3. It is bleak and scary. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of God, godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. But then he goes on to verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, and verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Where did they learn it? And have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. From infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like my scheme. I'm thoroughly equipped. Paul says you're thoroughly equipped when you have these things in place. Here's how you get thoroughly equipped. Here's how you cultivate that equipping. I see kind of several things, and you probably saw them as well, the different things he hits on that are going to help strengthen and help get these believe us as believers through these difficult situations and, and these times of evil and these brutal situations. And he, he kind of highlights a few. His first one uh, was like practice and endurance. He talks about endurance and practicing and keeping your fo- focus. Remember what you've learned. He talks about relationships you can trust. You know who you've learned from. You learned from me and you learned, you've seen my life. You've seen all of this. Be equipped by what you've observed. Be equipped by the model you've seen laid out for you. We can be equipped in a lot of ways. One way is just watching the model. Be equipped by a repetition of truth and knowledge. The scriptures, be equipped. Use them for guidance. Use them to to help you know where to go. And you'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a good recipe. That's a good mix right there of equipping. I like that. I also love how Paul is transparent about having arrived, guys. His example of being imperfect, that's a model. That's equipping. And he says, he talks about it in Philippians 3, 12 through 14 and verse 17. And he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward and what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Man, the equipping he's doing in that. He's equipping believers to be real. 
let's just be real here. We don't have to put a mask on. We don't have to look like we have it all together. You don't have to be that person. Keep your vision at the forefront. One thing I do, he says, right? One thing I do, I focus on the prize. I press on to take hold. I endure. And he's giving them, giving us things to hold on to, to go, okay, this is equipping. This is how it works. I'm being equipped with a mindset and a paradigm. These are tools for thriving as a follower of Jesus, to persevere together and to form that foundation for getting further understanding and discovery of our gifts and callings and those kinds of things. But we want to be thriving as believers to begin with, and he's equipping them how to do it. And he's the example in this case. I think we need to understand that every generation actually wants to be equipped. It is staggering to me sometimes. I'm a, a, a high school educator. I'm an aide at the high school, so I'm helping kids with their classes all day long. It is staggering to me sometimes. The resistance I encounter at receiving my wisdom for these kids. You'd be shocked. Like, I so want, here, I even tell them, I actually say this, listen to my wisdom. Listen to my wisdom. <laughs> and they just look at me like, whatever, you know. I don't care. But every generation actually wants to be equipped. I know deep inside each of those kids, they want to do well. No one wants to do bad. No one does. It looks like it sometimes, especially when they say, well, I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, yes, you do. I know it's in there. I know down deep you care. It's just being covered up with other stuff. So that's what I speak to. I feel like I'm an equipper in that moment with them because I speak to what I know is in them. I speak to what I know they actually want. I speak to below the fear, below the overwhelm, below the I didn't get dinner last night, whatever. That's what I speak to. I speak to the gold inside them and what I know wants to rise up. That's what we speak to. Every generation wants to be equipped. You know, parents, I'm sure you're familiar with this. It cannot just be me. But our children are not always clamoring for direction and guidance from us. They're not. But we know they need it, right? So we try and find creative and wise ways to give it to them. And sometimes we do well and sometimes we miss it. And sometimes we have to be transparent about that and say, I'm sorry, I missed it. That wasn't a good move. I lost my temper. I whatever, whatever. Right? But, but they actually want guidance. And they need guidance. So we commit ourselves to giving guidance and try to do our best job with that. Right? Even with adult children, young adult children, they want our guidance. And that is a whole different ballgame, as we many of us know. Different ballgame, okay? But... I was blown away the other day. <laughs> I was telling Amanda, our, our second oldest daughter, who's 28, um, I told her I was going to be speaking, and she asked what, and I told her the subject, you know, equipping generations, and she's like, Mom, just give it all to us. Just give us all, just give us everything. <laughs> you know? like, she, like, yes, equip us. We want to be equipped. That is what she was saying. And sometimes it can feel like they don't want this. They don't want this input right now. They do want this input, and we have to be asking Holy Spirit how to wisely give that input, whether it's to our kids or whether it's to a coworker, or whether it's to a brother or sister in Christ or whatever it is. The generations want to be equipped because the life of a disciple is not always easy, guaranteed, right? There's a cost to being a follower of Jesus. Jesus even said, count it. 
count the cost. This isn't going to be easy. He talked about really not easy things. Like foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Just so you know. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Live a life as a servant to be the greatest. And my favorite, Luke 10, 3, sending you out as lambs among wolves. I'm like, what? Like, I did not sign up for this. What? This doesn't sound like, joy and peace and yeah, there's some hard things. There's a cost to being a disciple, and I think our kids see it, and they experience it, and, they, and not just our kids, others. And, like, how do we get through that? We need to be equipped because also this way, this take up your cross daily and follow me way is also whom the sun sets free is free indeed. This way is John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This way is also 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. This way is authority of, over darkness. This way is the light of life. This way is a connection with the creator. This way is worth every drop of sacrifice and difficulty and challenge that we encounter. It is worth it. But we need to be equipped for how to walk it and thrive as sons and daughters to extend the kingdom. Jesus is the great equipper. And this is where, for me, this value went from being daunting to just being beautiful and to being something I could actually embrace and rest in. And I think you could probably pick just about any scripture in the gospel where Jesus is doing anything and it would equal equipping because he just constantly, constantly was equipping But I happened to look at Luke 9, and the whole chapter, like, loaded, loaded. So we're just going to kind of skim through it a bit to see some of the ways Jesus was equipping. And I think you will see as we go through, it appears to be that equipping generations is one of Jesus' core values as well. So, hey, we're on the same page there. That's cool. So in Luke 4, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. He overcomes the enemy, has victory over the temptations. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He begins teaching, and people are amazed, and crowds are gathering, and things are going well, and and they're like, is this Joseph's son? And it's, you know, Jesus is just like winning the day right now. He's teaching. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's going to other towns. Jesus could have done this all by himself all the way, guys, right? But Luke 5, he begins to call disciples to follow him and appoints them as apostles. Wow, Jesus, you could have done this whole thing by yourself. Why are you getting other guys around you? Do you know it's going to be kind of frustrating sometimes with them? Do you know they're going to kind of mess up a lot? Yes, he does know. He actually does know. But for some reason, he decides, first of all, Father directed him, but also, I think he knows a big thing here. If he does not equip apostles, who is going to spread the message when he goes? Who is going to turn the world upside down? Who? These are the guys. This is it. 
Equipping has to happen. It is a non-negotiable. Jesus can't just like just like, eh, you know, never mind, I'll do it myself. No, he actually needs them to be equipped. He needs them to carry something on. It is essential, critical, has to happen. Has to happen. This is the way that the Father directs him. This is the plan. It has to happen. So they get on with it. And at first, the disciples are just with him, and they're just watching all the cool stuff he's doing. Look at the stuff and the healings and casting out demons. And, ah, this is so awesome. And then he says, I'm going to appoint you as apostles. And he, he says, uh, you're going out. I'm going to send you out now. Boom. They're like, yeah, we're going out. We're going to heal diseases. I don't know what their reaction was. If it would have been me, I would have been like, are you sure about this? <laughs> but you've been doing it. But he sends them out to do this. And... It says in scripture, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Like it works. Like they do it. And it's awesome. And this has to be a high point for them, I would imagine. For everyone. Everyone's feeling good. And then they have this follow-up debrief time with Jesus. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. This is verse 10. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And I think that's a cool thing. Like, you can see, like, he's going to have the debrief. They're going to have their private quiet time and, like, let's talk, let's connect. But, but an interruption happens. And how does Jesus respond? He welcomes them. He talks to them. What an equipping moment right there. See the, see the action of this person? Oh, he didn't push them away. He actually welcomed them. I think that's an equipping moment for them, among many others. A little bit farther in the chapter, there's a bunch of people crowded around. They've been listening, about 5,000 actually. They've been listening to Jesus, and it's, it's dinner time, and the disciples are like, Jesus, send them away. We need to, they need to go eat, right? And he says, actually, you give them something to eat. Oh, a creative miracle. That, we haven't done that one yet, Jesus. We actually, we healed sick, you know, we've done that. We haven't done the give something to eat. What are you even talking about? It kind of just goes over their heads, really. And so, well, we have these five loaves, two fishes. They give those to Jesus. You know, the story probably he gives thanks, he breaks it, and guess what? The disciples give them something to eat. Just like he said. It happened a little different, didn't it? They didn't get the clue right there. They're like, oh yeah, we can just, miracle. We can just do this. He had to help them along, but he was equipping right there. He didn't just go, you guys, come on, don't you get it? He took them right where they were at. He did the hard, heavy lifting, and then they got to actually have a part in that as well and have a win in the midst of it, just like he said to do. They got to obey him even though they didn't think they could obey him in that one. So he's equipping there. He drops a few bombs as well, I would say. Luke 29, uh, sorry, Luke 9, a little bit farther down, 23 and 24 he says things like, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And then eight, so that's, you know, teaching, instruction, 
okay, whatever, we're not sure what all that means. Eight days later, the transfiguration happens with Peter, John, and James. And on that deal, he, Jesus didn't even have to tell them to t not tell anybody. If you read that, they're like, they decided on their own, like, we're not telling anybody about this. <laughs> Previously, when they got the Messiah thing, and they said, you're the Messiah, he said, don't tell anybody that. This time, they said, we're not going to tell anybody about this, right? There's just too much going on here, and there's a lot. So they're learning. Some things, you don't just blurt out everything that goes on. He's equipping them, and they're learning, and they're getting better at it. So then they come down from the mountain, right? This is uh, verses 37 through 42. Jesus and the three disciples come down, and a man comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, can you deliver my son from this demon? By the way, I asked your disciples over here. They couldn't do it. So would you? And Jesus at that point, um, he kind of, he rebukes them and says, You're believe, you know, I can just kind of imagine a little bit of frustration right there. I don't know. I wasn't there. Someday I'd like a replay of, can you just like reenact, you know, how you did this and stuff? But it, we don't know exactly. But it says he did rebuke them as an unbelieving and perverse generation. I mean, that sounds a little rough, like maybe he's having a little bit of a, teensy bit of frustration and like teensy bit of like ah and then he heals the boy so he goes ahead and does that then he predicts his death a second time which leads the disciples I mean these are big statements he's making I'm going to die and his disciples start an argument about who's going to be the greatest I mean can you imagine being the equipper at this point like did anyone hear what I just said I'm going to die. okay okay but instead of that, instead of freaking out at them about that, he says, he just meets them again, right where they are. Oh, okay. Okay, you're having a, a moment here about who's going to be the greatest. Well, I guess that's where we get to start right now then. <laughs> I guess that's what we'll address right now. And he says, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it's the one who's least among you all who is the greatest, guys. There's your answer. The least of you is the greatest. Are you happy with that answer now? <laughs> so he takes the moment, teaches them. It seems like it kind of goes completely over their head because the next statement that is recorded is, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Does it seem like everything's going over their head right now? <laughs> seems a lot like they're just not tracking and so Jesus keeps having to back up to where they're at. Back up. Okay, you're here. Okay, you're here. That's where I'm going to address you then. And he says, do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. So Jesus keeps just taking it where they're at. That's a model for us to follow as we equip and as we're being equipped. One last little story. In verse 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus just turns and rebukes them. He's like, what? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I do not. Then he and his disciples went to another village. And to me, the, just the tone of this just kind of felt like, I have had it. 
just no, no, we're not going to call down fire from heaven to destroy them. I don't even know what you're thinking right now. <laughs> and, uh, but he doesn't say that. He just says, no, don't do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that, okay? Let's go. Let's just go to the next village. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been there as a parent? Like, we're just going to keep moving on. Let's just move on. <laughs> or as a teacher or as a whoever with people you're working with. The whole thing, I mean, it's kind of fun to imagine how it might have sounded and looked. What's really hilarious is if you look at the next few chapters. So that moment just happened. I mean, that few verses. That just happens with them asking about fire to destroy, you know, and he's like, no, we're not doing that. They go to the next village. And as they're walking, this man comes up to them. He's like, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus, it's just like he's in a mode. He's just like, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> like, are you sure you want to follow me? <laughs> I'm sure you didn't say it that way. And then another guy says, I want to follow you. Or Jesus says to him, follow me. He's like, I'll give this a try. And the guy's like, well, I want to go bury my father, you know, or I want to go say goodbye to my family. He's just, Jesus just like fires off one comment after another. <laughs> he's like rapid fire statements like, Take up your cross daily if you don't hate your father. You know, like, he just boom, boom, boom. I get the feeling he's just kind of had it at the moment. <laughs> like, really, you want to follow me? Do you? Do you? <laughs> so I don't know. Someday I really want to have a conversation with him about Luke 9 because I think it would be fun to hear really what was going through his head, and he'll probably have a number of things to correct me on. I don't <laughs> but the point is here, Jesus was committed to the end to equipping those he had appointed to carry the gospel into the entire world. That's what he had to work with. He met them where, he, where they were, and he committed, committed to it. He was completely committed and focused to do that. He knew it was a non-negotiable focus. He knew that this would carry on to multiply the good news. He knew it's what his father desired and directed him to, him to do. And he did what he set out to do. He did equip them. In a beautiful way. I have a picture here of a blank screen that is beautiful. <laughs> I have a picture of a Christmas cactus here that recently bloomed. Is anyone else astounded when a Christmas cactus blooms in their possession? <laughs> okay, like I'm astounded if it's alive, but this Christmas cactus was actually kind of inherited by us uh, from Mike's parents when we bought their house. That, that stayed. I had not ever seen that Christmas cactus bloom in the years it had been in their house. It may have, but I don't remember it ever blooming. And I almost threw it out, to be honest. I was like, this thing ain't blooming. I, I do not need a spiky green plant sitting here. Like, it's, it's not that pretty by itself. So if we're not getting any flowers, never mind. I almost chucked it. I even think Mike asked me to check. Mike, you said to check it, right? Was that the one? Okay, maybe not. Maybe that was a different one. I kill a lot of plants, so I can't remember which one it was. But um, this little guy, I don't know. I just honestly, like, we're remodeling right now. So I just took it upstairs where all the other stuff from the living room was going and the dining room and the kitchen and everything. I just set it in the corner kind of by a window. I was like, maybe it'll like it there. It doesn't even matter. It's probably going to die. I don't care. And I maybe watered it twice over six months. I don't even know. And then one day, I'm sitting at that little table, and I see this gorgeous pink flower staring back at me. Just like, aren't you glad you didn't throw me away? 
It has since bloomed twice. This is the second time it's bloomed in the last several months. And I'm astounded. I still don't know why it's blooming. It's certainly not because I've equipped it at all, okay? But the point is, we do not give up on those that we're helping equip. We don't give up on ourselves who are being equipped and being equipped for new things. Because I can be equipped for skiing, but I haven't been equipped for, let's say, many other things, right? So we're looking for different things that maybe we want to be equipped in. But not giving up, being committed to the relationships we have, to the places where we are sowing into people's lives, to the places where we're equipping, not giving up, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you see externally, even if it means silence for a while. Silence doesn't mean giving up. Silence means I'm, I'm listening to Holy Spirit. I'm trying to act in wisdom right now and to see where I plant, where I be quiet, where I don't, where I say something, but not giving up because there is a flower inside the plant. There's a bunch of them. And Jesus knew that, and he was committed, and he kept his focus. So how is this equipping thing not going to be terrible? This equipping thing is not going to be terrible, first of all, because it's going to happen in the natural flow of your life. It's not like you have to say, okay, now I'm going to go into equipping mode. It's this is what you do naturally. Like I said at the beginning, you're probably equipping when you don't even know it. Because it's a natural flow of your life. It's you give what you have to give. If you have encouragement to give, you equip in encouragement. Okay? You're not trying to grab like for something that you don't already possess and go, okay, I'm going to equip you with this thing I know nothing about and don't know how to do. That's ridiculous. That's not how Jesus did it. So it's happening in the natural flow of your life. You give what you have to give. As you grow and learn, so does your equipping of others grow. Here's the second reason it's not going to be terrible. It's not going to be terrible because Jesus is the great equipper. Here is the Jesus equipping starter kit. It's found in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus actually said we could learn from him. And I think that's twofold. It's learning from him in our own walk, but it's also teaching others how to learn from him. Equipping other people is sometimes just about teaching them how to learn from Jesus. Equip them to know the great equipper. Equip them to learn from him. He says, come to me. He's like, it's relationship, it's connection with me that's going to set you on a course of being an equipper. Take my yoke upon you speaks of doing what you can do, giving what you have to give. We kind of talked about this. I am gentle and humble in heart speaks of the strength, the kindness, and the beautiful heart of Jesus that meets us as we learn from him. This is someone I'd like to learn from, someone who's gentle and humble in heart. This is someone I'd like to learn with learn from someone who wants to be with me he says come to me i want to be with you learn from me i'm gentle humble in heart humble of heart is strength learn from me learn from me 
It speaks of a delight that he has in teaching us, a commitment he has to connect with us, to teach and impart. And of course, we also receive that from each other. But first and foremost, we receive it from him. We learn from him and we guide others to learn from him. Equipping generations, first of all, is about leading others to learn from Jesus, who is the great equipper. So that is how it's going to be awesome. Equipping generations is awesome. It's a privilege and an honor. And it's something that we get to grow and learn in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for wanting us to learn from you, for wanting to connect with us, for wanting to be the great equipper in our lives. Thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you that you've placed within every single one of us gifts and callings, things we can cultivate and things we can give away, things we can impart to others, things we can receive from others. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Lord, for just opening up our understanding this week and in the weeks to come as we um, further look into this value. Thank you for opening up our understanding. Thank you for igniting this fresh fire in our hearts to equip generations, Lord, to see the need, to see the longing in their, their hearts of a generation. Lord, just seal our hearts with your goodness and your love today. And we give you permission and invite you to speak into our minds, to speak into our hearts, to open up understanding, to see you more clearly, Jesus, and to learn from you. We love you. Thank you. In your name, amen.